Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. We all just witnessed that, and uh, we're worse off for it. But, of course, this is a football podcast, so I'm going to talk about the game right off the bat. I will dive into Colts, Broncos. I have no clue how Indianapolis won, but they did. Denver and Shambles, both the quarterbacks, might stink. Uh, Man, a lot of other stuff going on. Brady divorce. I have some thoughts on Lincoln Riley's quarterbacks, Kyler, Baker, Jalen, and maybe even his young guy, Caleb. Uh, The Steelers are getting a little dose of reality. And then my most intriguing game this weekend, the Cowboys playing old Sean McVay. Uh, a lot of football talk coming up. You listen on Colin's feed. I appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to the Three and Out podcast. Middlecoff mailbag will come out this weekend at John Middlecoff. Fire into those DMs. Get your question answered on the Middlecoff mailbag. Let's dive into the show. I guess I just need to start and pay homage and respect to all of us for watching that game. Obviously, we all love football. It's the number one sport in America for a reason. It's a fantastic game. It's entertaining. Uh, It brings us a lot of joy. Fantasy, gambling, root for our teams. That was terrible. And listen, I I am not some hater of Thursday Night Football. I, I, for the most part, enjoy it. I'm not some negative Nancy by any means. That was really bad. I mean, that was was a real, real tough watch. And, you know, I, I think sometimes we have fun. Though, I mean, listen, fans, you we're, we're all the same. We all just talk about stuff when it's going on and talk about guys being washed or cooked, and ironically, that term with Russ. But I had the thought, and actually, I, I got a text from an NFL executive during the game that if you're George Payton and you were up in the box, and I said this from the jump, I, I have, no matter how this plays out, I will never be critical of him making the move. Clearly, he was all in, and the Broncos were all in for Aaron Rodgers. And rightfully so. I mean, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. He wants to leave Denver. You think you're going to have a trade. He ends up re-signing with Green Bay. 
he's off the table. Russell Wilson's on the line. And did he look last year a little weird? For sure. Hurt hand. I I just think you kind of throw that to the side and you go, we got a chance to get Russell Wilson. No-brainer move. I I, 100%, you make that move every day of the week and twice on Sunday. They gave a lot. I mean, they gave several good players, and obviously they gave a lot of draft picks. But you do the move. You pull the trigger. I mean, that's life's full of having some balls, and honestly, that wasn't that ballsy of a move. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame player. He ain't 38. Like, doing what the Colts did, acquiring a guy that's 38, 39 years old who looks shot, like, that's way riskier than what the Denver Broncos did throughout the history of the league. But if you're sitting up there in a box, what looked like by himself, you have to be thinking to yourself, did I make a major mistake? And not that obviously you're never going to be able to redo it, but are we screwed? Is this guy a different player than the one we all witnessed for Seattle? You couldn't have watched Russell Wilson for basically a decade in Seattle, especially that latter half, and not thought, remarkable player, Hall of Fame talent. Carries the team on his back. Magician. Pull shit out of his ass. I mean, there were more plays that had no business being made that Russell made. We all witnessed them. We all watched them. And they consistently won. Eight of ten years they went to the playoffs. But the guy we're watching right now, and listen, tonight you can nitpick, hack it a little bit. Like, you gotta kick the field goal or just run the ball and then kick it on third down. Bullshit. You're paying this guy $250 million. Now, it's clearly not going well, but it's only four games in. If you're already out, let's just let's just call it a season. I have no problem with them throwing it late in the game. Russell's pick was atrocious. I mean, that was... Are we watching Carson Wentz? Well, it, Baker Mayfield? Or is that Russell Wilson? That, that pick, I ain't blaming Nate Hackett. He's been a disaster several times this season. Tonight was about Russell Wilson. And tonight's about, if you're the general manager of the team, I was texting with a couple diehard fans. They're clearly concerned. So I always say this, if the fans are concerned, and not like little stuff, I'm talking big picture. Is our quarterback any good? You better believe the general manager's thinking it. And he has to be, how's he going to sleep tonight? And I'm not even talking win or lose this game. Ultimately, whatever. You invested half a billion dollars into this player. You traded several first-round picks for this player. You traded several core pieces for this player. And he looks like a bottom-10 quarterback right now. His magic, historically, and what made him a Hall of Fame player was movement, was running around. And he doesn't really do that anymore. And then you watch him tonight. I've always said, and I think most of you would agree, he throws one of the most beautiful deep balls in the league. The arc on the ball, the spin on the ball, how it drops down right in the guy's hands. Yet now when he's throwing it, it's not even remotely close to the wide receiver. I mean, the one play tonight that they hit big, the wrong wide receiver came out of nowhere and made the catch. Now you can say some of that's coaching okay, but you can't convince me that Russell Wilson, who told Peter King before the season, this isn't a coach-player relationship. This is a partnership. We are equals. We see eye to eye. Russell, the coach, that they're partners. Like, you know, have you ever been in a business partnership? Like, hey, for every dollar, we split 50-50. Like, that's that's how partnerships work. Or, hey, 70-30 or 20-80 or 65-35 or whatever the deal is. 
They acted like 50-50 partnership. That's not usually the way it works in the National Football League, but that's what Russell wanted. Because forever, he didn't like answering to Pete. He thought he was too archaic. He didn't think he knew know what he was doing. Well, I'm watching Russell get the keys to the castle. Because you saw the Waltons, who can sell you 75 pieces of toilet paper or 85 steaks for $20. And they can do that better than anybody and make an astronomical amount of money. They know nothing about football. I don't even count them involved in this. George Payton, who was, like Chris Ballard, was the apple of everyone's eye as a general manager, gets this job, starts drafting well. One thing, I've texted multiple people tonight. I'm like, Patrick Sertan, baller. Do you know who, you know who Sertan is? He's basically Darrell Revis, his ability to mirror, and length of Richard Sherman, and length and physicality. Like, the guy's a star. They took him over Justin Fields. I would rather have him than Justin Fields today. No questions about it. Looks like he drafts well. But ultimately, you're judged on who's your coach and who's your quarterback. The coach, you know, you can blame him for it, but they're trying to get Rodgers. They're trying to get Russell Wilson. It's been well reported. Those two quarterbacks gave the okay on this coach. They wanted it. This was NBA style. This isn't NFL style is usually we hire the coach. We tell you what to do. This whole ordeal was like, we'll do whatever you want, Rodgers and Russell, and they have. And now Russell's getting the keys to the, to the car, and he's crashing it. I mean, he's falling down the hill right now, over and over. The, car, the car's totaled. <laughs> it's a disaster. And he looks like a shell of himself. And that, Listen, I, I am not some Russell Wilson hater. He's always been one of my favorite players to watch. The guy I'm watching right now isn't remotely close. And what's sad for a long period of time, the way we defended Russell in Seattle is like, you know, they went 10-6, and six, but man, if they had a good defense. You know, the, the latter years, once Richard left and Earl got cut and Cam retired and Averill got injured and it was basically just Bobby Wagner, it was like, if he had a good defense again, this would be a dominant team. He's got an incredible defense. You can't throw on them. They got DBs everywhere. They got a great pass rush. And they didn't score a touchdown. <laughs> like this is this isn't 1983. This is nine, This is 2022. Can't score a touchdown. Uh, Broncos are in trouble. I mean, major trouble. And if I'm John Schneider, I'm licking my lips because I got their picks. Uh, and then on the flip side, like you know what's crazy? The way the game played out. My entire segment, this opening segment, was about the Broncos losing. And I was going to rip on the Colts first and then get to the Broncos, though the topics didn't change. <laughs> like, my thoughts on the game didn't change regardless who won it. Just the the way we, you know, I'm going to talk about the Broncos first because they just lost. We'll dive into the Colts. And I, I don't think any differently just because they won. I, I think if you leave this game early on when it looked like the Colts might just get, you know, lose 13 to nothing and not score a point, I thought Frank Ballard, or I mean, excuse me, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are done. It's over. And a couple people, I started texting around, like, do you think he'd really fire Chris ba- Chris Ballard, Jim Irsay? And I got a couple people say, I, I can't, I don't see it. I don't believe it. I think Frank's in major trouble. And sometimes winning can act like a Band-Aid. You know, sometimes if you ever had a leak, a major leak, especially if you've ever been in a situation with like a boat, boat leaking and you don't have anything to put over you put your hand and it won't cover all the water and you start going under that's what it feels like and sometimes you can kind of cover it it's like putting a band-aid over a bullet hole like it ain't gonna fix the problem like frank ain't the answer frank is not gonna be the coach on this team next year we'll get into matt ryan here in a second but frank specifically like we saw last year when the chips won he was the guy that wanted carson Wentz. he was the guy that banged the table 
And that ultimately cost them the playoffs those last two games when Carson was atrocious. And listen, I try to root for Carson. I've watched him this year. You get within, you know, a foot of him, he crumbles like a cookie. Like his physical, like Carson Wentz's physical attributes in terms of throwing the ball down the field, uh, movement-wise, are still there, unlike Matt Ryan. Yet when you get around him, he just falls and hits the ground and he's kind of worthless. And that's who Frank wanted. And then this year, they got a little lucky because Deshaun Watson might have gone to the Falcons, then Matt Ryan, and they ended up with him. So I don't necessarily put Matt Ryan on Frank Reich, but I just watch Frank's team. The offense looks lifeless. Uh, It looks like it has no plan. His team looks pretty lifeless. Even though I'm not necessarily judging him on this week, I do think Thursday night's weird game. That's why when you're the Broncos, the home team has to win the short weeks, October, November, December. You have no excuse. But the road team wins tonight, but it doesn't even feel like it's meaningful. Like, I I don't view the Colts. They look like a five-win team to me. And Jim Irsay's up there, and I'm not acting like he's a Rooney. You know, like he knows what's going on. But he's been at this long enough around Peyton, even the years with luck. He knows what winning football looks like, and this ain't it. Now, I do think when it comes to firing a general manager, if you fire both of them, that's a pretty big pain in the ass for Jim Irsay. He then, because it wasn't that long ago, Chris Ballard was the number one general general manager candidate for a long period of time. And then he finally gets a job, and just in terms of team building, does a fantastic job. The coach situation, I say it all the time, as a general manager, you're not just judged on the draft. Hell, you're not just judged on free agency. You're judged on who you hire as a coach, and definitely who you find as a quarterback. And they've really struggled from the quarterback situation. Not all of his fault. Andrew Luck retired on him. And they've kind of been spinning their wheels. They take a chance on Wentz. They've now taken a, taken a chance on Matt Ryan. And it's just not really working out. Matt Ryan is not very good. Now, if it was up to me, I would keep Chris Ballard and I would fire Frank Reich. And when it comes to Matt Ryan, listen. If you told me this weekend I could go hang out, play golf, drink beers... Talk ball, talk life with Matt Ryan, sign me up. Seems like a cool hang, seems like a great guy. People really like him. When it comes to playing quarterback, like what's weird about Russ is he's still in his early 30s. Like usually guys in their early 30s. I mean, Rodgers is still crushing at 37, 38 years old. Brady's 45, right? It's not like Russell doesn't have an arm strength anymore. It's like, what's going on? Matt Ryan's understandable. The majority of my life, guys at his age, 36, 37, 38 years old, like most of my life, in the 90s, the, two, the 2000s, it wasn't until like the last five or six years, guys fell off a cliff at that age. I respect this about Matt Ryan. His toughness, fantastic. Getting peppered tonight. For an offensive line that's supposed to be fantastic, I don't know who they're playing at tackles. I mean, those tackles are getting worked. Uh, he pops back up. I've always respected the same thing with Phil Rivers, Rivers, even at the end. Phillip Rivers, you could hit him over and over and over again, and he'd get back up. Same thing with Eli Manning. At the end of their career, they were tough as shit. But his arm is shot. I mean, it's it's holding on for dear life. And from an athletic standpoint, he's never been a great movement guy. And now he's kind of a sitting duck. So if you can't protect him, which they cannot, and some of that is definitely on the coach, he's just, I mean, he's basically just waiting back there for the defensive line to hit him. And I, I think both these two teams are a disaster. And ultimately, the coach is going to be blamed because that's the way it works. You know, Russ is making $45 million, Matt's making... Look, this is going to sound harsh, and um, sometimes being harsh is just the truth and just a reality. 
Matt Ryan signed a $150 million contract back in 2018, averaging obviously $30 million for the next five years. First couple years, he was okay. I think the last three years, you could argue he's been the most overpaid player in the NFL. These last couple years, definitely. I mean, 60, 60 plus million dollars these last couple years. I mean, he's probably like a $10 million player. I mean, really. He's he's probably a really good backup at this point. Uh, a little like Flacco. The, to me, that's probably the umbrella that he falls under. But these two quarterbacks for the Broncos and the Colts are going to get their two coaches fired. Because as we know, I guess maybe I have to look at his contract. Maybe you could fire Matt Ryan at the end of the year, cut him, get rid of the contract. With Russell, obviously, you cannot. You're stuck with that. But Russell's going to get his coach fired, and ultimately Matt Ryan is going to get a lot of people fired. And it's just the way the NFL kind of falls. It's a coach and quarterback league, and and I'm a big believer in this. I do like my quarterback. I mean, Brady's somewhat of an outlier to be athletic. In this modern-day football, I mean, these defensive linemen can all run. They all can move. You know, I remember when I was in my, my I think it was like second second year in Philly, we drafted Fletcher Cox, and he was such an outlier from a freak standpoint. There are like five Fletcher Cox coming to the NFL every single year. I'm just talking about D tackles, let alone all the defensive ends. All these defensive linemen can run. So your quarterback, like the day and ages of the guy just sitting there and throwing dimes from the pocket and having zero mobility – are over. I'm not acting like everyone's got to be Kyler. He ain't my cup of tea either. But the Matt Ryans, the Elis, the Flacco's, the Rivers, you know, those days are over. Tom Brady's so much better than those guys. He can kind of figure it out. Uh, but these, these these quarterbacks are just killing their team. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code COLIN for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. 
Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Okay, I was thinking about the story, and really two things, on Thomas Brady, who also is known as the greatest quarterback of all time, which this week made some headlines. And I want to hit on two things. First, the pending divorce. And second, he had a very... I thought just insightful comment about the NFL about how there's just a lot of shitty football being played right now. But first on the divorce, I I don't think it took a rocket scientist to figure out that there was a major red flag when he took off. But even before that, when he retired, what I think was like for 41 or 45 days and then came back. Now, I know some people like I don't know, Tom. I know some people that know him or know his circle that you just hear stories over the years, but that, that's the way with a lot of people, you know, that are famous, you know, and I don't want to say the world I run in, but you just hear some things and you never know. I, I, I take this tactic in life in general because I, I think Instagram's a great example of this. And I'm, I, I'm excluding Tom from this, but like you see so many good looking people, guys, girls in relationships on Instagram and the pictures they post, you're like, God, that's got to be the perfect couple. God, they really got it all. And any human knows that, of course, they don't. Whether you're good-looking and rich, whether you're ugly and poor, we all have similar issues when it comes to our personal relationships, right? You fight over little things. Now, obviously, you could argue money makes some things unfightable, but I think historically, if you just know any person in life who's successful, they have similar problems. And Tom and Giselle are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Doesn't mean their problems are any different than your problems if you make $75,000 combined household income. You fight over the kids. You fight over the time. You fight over attention. You fight over basic human needs. And I think one thing we've learned definitely over the last couple of years, there's no, and I've always believed in this. It's why I was so uncomfortable with everything in 2020 and 2021. There's no such thing as a utopian world. There's really no such thing as fairness, especially in this society. The one thing we've learned over the last couple of years, I mean, we printed a bunch of money and just gave it to people. And one thing we found out, like that's a disaster because in this society, there are winners or losers. And the sad reality is in a massive building, Someone has to be the CEO and someone has to clean the toilets and throw away 
the trash. And in a relationship, some work and some, for whatever reason, don't. But when it comes to, like, let's face it, Giselle is no longer the number one supermodel. Not because she's not good looking or whatever. It's because she's old. Like, the top supermodels usually aren't, I don't know, 42, 43, 44 years old. Just like the reason Peyton Manning's still not a top quarterback in the NFL, his arms stopped working. Drew Brees couldn't throw. Age usually derails a lot of, you know, supermodels and pro athletes. It's the reason that they don't get to stay on top. And Tom Brady has defied the odds. If you've watched Tom Brady this season, he still looks fantastic. He does not look like he's 45 years old. He still throws seats. And I think it's pretty clear you don't need to know these people or have like intimate information of their relationship. She wanted him to stop playing football. And listen, my girlfriend, and I'm sure anyone that's in a relationship, in a marriage, has these conversations. I, I think I've talked to a couple girls about this. Most of their, they side with Giselle. They think it's time. Stop playing. And the most professions, the, the overwhelming majority of professions, you can do till you want to stop doing it. That's not the way football works. He has dedicated his life to doing this. And to me, I would side with her if he was below average. If he was like, you know, he's like Jimmy Garoppolo now. You know, he's not like Drew Brees or Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger falling off a cliff. He's just average. It's like, you know what, Tom? Just, it's it's over. But it's not. I mean, he, he could have won the MVP last year. He's, he's the quarterback of a team that, let's face it, is going to be a factor in the playoffs. So I'm going to side with him on this. Like, I, he should not stop playing football. And for him to play football at the highest level, the way he goes about his business, there is no balance. And I know a lot of people like, you know, eat breakfast with your kids, eat dinner with your kids, go to all the little league games for your kids. Like, yeah, in a perfect utopian society, every parent would get to have breakfast with their kids before they went to school, have dinner with their kids, never miss a game. That's not the reality. I can just speak for myself. My dad was a farmer. In certain times of the year, he was working all the time. You didn't see him. My mom worked for the government. And there are periods, you know, when they were passing laws or passing things in the in the quote unquote, I, I don't even know what is the House Senate deal with the California government, where she would work all night for weeks. She would just be gone. And we all can relate to these situations, depending on what our parents did if they weren't stay-at-home parents, where you, you just wouldn't see them. And these are just normal people jobs. Like I, I've been at worked in football. They don't get to spend football coaches that much time with their children for six months of the year. And in college football now with recruiting, it's like nine and a half, ten months a year. And in the NFL, luckily you get some off time and it relaxes in the offseason. But I'm sorry. Like, I remember living with a guy who basically worked on Wall Street. I've told this story. It was the closest thing to working in the NFL. The guy was always gone. Now he's a father of three. I don't think his job's quite as crazy as it was. But if he had stayed at the company, a major, major bank, like... He would have been working late nights doing massive deals. He also made a lot of money. Like there's a give and take with everything in life and there is no perfect. You know, my, my relationship, your relationship, like we all got issues. Some are better than others. I have no clue. Have they liked each other for a long period of time? Who knows? Maybe they had other issues. Maybe this was just a simmering thing. But when it comes specifically to football and the argument that she wants him to stop, I don't blame him one bit for not wanting to quit playing football because he's still fucking awesome. And to be awesome for Tom Brady, the way he does it, just like the way Peyton did it, just like the way Drew Brees did it, 
They operate like coaches. They don't have much of a life for six months. Tom specifically dedicates his life diet-wise, training-wise, film study-wise, obviously practice-wise. I would imagine if you were buddies with him, he would probably tell you it was the weirdest thing ever leaving 11 days at training camp. I didn't like that. Now, there are some things bigger than football. I don't know if he was quote-unquote trying to save his marriage, but he had to figure some stuff out. Just like I saw today or yesterday, he missed practice. Who knows? Maybe he's trying to figure... Like, there are things, family, you can't even focus on work. Now, there's a whole nother trickle-down effect with kids and stuff. I'm just strictly talking about the relationship here. There is no perfect. There is no utopian. Just because you're rich and famous or just because you're poor, we all got issues. Now, if you can play football, I will never blame anyone who's still playing at a high level to keep on playing. Just like I'll never blame anyone for doing any job at a high level for wanting to continue that. Life is short. And we only get gifted, I mean, most of us, so many skills that we can excel at. And obviously, Tom Brady, like, let's face it. The reason Tom Brady is married to Giselle in the first place is because he's a superstar NFL player. If Tom Brady, six foot five, handsome, good looking, had just graduated Michigan, never played in the NFL, and just became a finance guy, and, you know, made 750, 800, let's say making a million dollars a year, he ain't married to her. So, like, there's a give and a take. There's the good and the bad with any role, any job we all have. But I'm going to side with Tom on this one with sticking it out to play, to continue to play football. Because now, who knows? Maybe he'll never stop playing. I joked around on social media, you know, in 25 years, Tom Brady versus Arch Manning. Tom Brady, 69 years old against a 40-year-old Arch. It'd be fun. Uh, The other thing is Tom mentioned in his press conference this week about you know, he was asked about there being a lot of two and two teams in the NFL. And let's face it, like a lot of one and three teams look like three and one teams, ton of two and one teams, a lot two and two teams. A lot of teams just kind of look the same. And his his answer was, you know, obviously he watches a lot of film. He just thought there's a lot of shitty football being played. And I've said this over and over when it comes to injuries. Like when I was a kid, the game was much more violent. They had two a day. Some coaches even had like triple days for a month straight. And it felt like consistently there were less injuries. People didn't train year-round. People smoked some cigarettes on the side. It was just a different culture, different world. Yet we didn't have guys going down left and right. Why? Because in football, the only way you can play football is by actually playing and practicing football, right? In basketball, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis, whole crew of guys, even though I saw Clay say that he... Uh, he is scared to play pickup basketball because last time he played pickup basketball, he tore his Achilles, but that's a whole other conversation. My point is, you can just play a pickup game, even if it's not quite like NBA playoff level game. If it's 10 NBA guys, you can get legit work. In baseball, Like I can just in the offseason get a bullpen with Justin Verlander. He can just throw, and I can stand in there, and I can take some hacks. In football, I can rep running out routes with my quarterback. It is not the same when there's a corner and we got pads on and there's a pass rush. We all acknowledge that, right? Anyone that played high school football knows in the springtime when you're doing drills and shorts and t-shirts, it's dramatically different than when the pads come on in the season, let alone college, let alone the pros. And I think in the pros, and listen, I've been around, I got into college football in 2008 when I got hired at Fresno State. And I worked at Cal Poly, but I would say that's a different level. I got in Division I college football in 2008 and have been around the NFL ever since. And when I got there in 2008, Pat Hill, we used to have double days for like three straight weeks. And it was really intense. And then I got to the NFL. Andy Reid did the same thing. Double day after double day after double day. 
And then the CBA changed. And double days were thrown out the window. And then the new CBA that happened recently had has even made it lighter. I've gone to these practices. Listen, I've been going to Kyle Shanahan practices now for about four or five years. And we've all seen they have one of the most physical defenses in the league. They, have, they might have the best defense in the league. But I think a lot of that is because they just have the best players, right? They have star players at several positions. It's not because they practice. Nick Bosa does not practice. And that doesn't mean he's not in shape or whatever. Nobody practices. So these injuries, to me, are a big reflection of the lack of practice. And two, the lack of just very good play. We just don't practice football anymore. You talk to anyone that's like 50 years old or older, if you ever get the opportunity, a guy that played in the NFL, especially getting to talk to guys that played for good teams, like guy ever played for Bill Parcells, guy ever played for Jimmy Johnson, guy ever played for those 49er teams, right? Who, whatever, just playoff level teams. And they'd say, we wore pads on Wednesday and Thursday. Like in December, you know, the Patriots used to have scrimmages back in the day with Belichick and Brady when they had the bye week before the second round of the playoffs. They would be padded that week. Nobody does that anymore. So to me, there's a level of just lack of, and these are the rules. These aren't because coaches want to do this. Now, maybe coaches would change a little bit because of the amount of money people are paying. Obviously, the money factors in, but the game is still the game, you know, right? You're still trying to get a first down on third and seven. And if you've repped it only so many times in shorts and t-shirts, I, I can't be surprised when it's not working. So Tom Brady has, you know, he's single. And I mean, can you, has there been a more eligible bachelor than a 45-year-old Tom Brady, seven Super Bowl champs worth hundreds of millions of dollars, good looking, watch out. I mean, oh my God. My early guesses, Margot Robbie will be first girlfriend. Um, I don't know if he'll go super young, like Jerry Buss, Leo style, but my my guess would be 30s because, you know, he'll just be off a divorce, won't want to get married right away. My I envision Tom Brady getting remarried like in his like 56 when he like gets married to like a former actress and like, you know, I, I told myself I was never going to get married again, but we just fell in love and that that, that would be my prediction. But I, I agree with Tom. The, the football, while it's entertaining and I'm glad we're all watching it, ratings are up, isn't that great right now? I was thinking about this because it happens sometimes. Like this happened forever with Ohio State. Like does Ohio State have a problem? Their quarterbacks aren't good in the NFL. And I, I think it's an easy thing to do. Like so-and-so, program doesn't produce X position. Like, stay away from this position at this program, right? Don't mess with a quarterback from Mike Leach's program. And Lincoln Riley essentially comes from Mike Leach. Lincoln Riley came from Texas Tech. Went there to play quarterback. I think it was a walk-on. Mike Leach, basically after year one, said, you're never going to play. You're never going to get a scholarship. But we like you, kid. Become a coach. Lincoln Riley became a student coach early while he was still playing because he was never going to play and the rest is history. Now, his scheme is different than Mike Leach's, but it is a very quarterback-friendly scheme. And for three straight years, he had elite quarterbacks. Two won the Heisman, and another guy had transferred from the top program in the country, Alabama. And I was thinking about, like, does, does this, like, his quarterback, two of them right now are struggling, and obviously Jalen's having success. But even Jalen was kind of polarizing coming out. Does that reflect Lincoln Riley? And I've always said this. When you're scouting an individual from a great program, from a bad program, whatever, that individual player is is his his own story. Not the coach, not the scheme. Like you got to figure out that player story and then factor all that stuff in. The scheme he's in, the coach he has, 
But you can't go in thinking, well, I'm going to think this about this guy because of the program he's at, negatively or positively. Now, obviously, if you come from a Saban defense, I mean, there are specific situations, but these quarterbacks, I was thinking like, should I be scared moving forward of Lincoln Riley quarterbacks? Let's just go through the three of them. Kyler Murray. First and foremost, he benefits a lot from the short quarterbacks who would come into the league. Baker Mayfield, the year before, had just been drafted number one. Russell Wilson at the time, 2015, 16, 17, 18, had become a star player. So short quarterbacks were in vogue. Because when I was a kid, if you're my age, born in the mid-80s, in the 80s, in the 90s, and even in the 2000s, a quarterback of Kyler Murray's size would never have been drafted number one. Now, part of the reason you could justify it even now when short quarterback, his talent's elite. One of the best athletes the league's ever seen, a fantastic arm and accurate. So the talent's elite, but he's tiny. Now, it's proven to be true that his size, to me, limits how good he can be because he's got to scramble to see, he can't see within the pocket, and he gets hurt. But I think the number one thing that stands out about Kyler, despite his size, and let's face it, I was lucky enough when I worked in the league, you know, when I worked in the league office, I got to see a lot of quarterbacks. So you go to, you know, eight or nine games. I didn't travel with the team, but all the home games you go to. I actually saw more quarterbacks. Sometimes by my second year, I was like out on the road sometimes. So you didn't get to go to all the games. When I did the Raider post game for like two straight years, I went to, you know, 16 straight NFL games. And you get to see at the time Roethlisberger, Eli, Phillip Rivers, Carson Palmer. I don't think people realize how fucking massive that generation of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, that crew of quarterbacks, like their generation, are. I remember I was going to a lot of Warriors games. Like Ben Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer are like bigger than Draymond Green. These men are massive. Yeah, I I was with Carson Palmer at this party. I remember staring up at him like, this guy is huge. Eli, these guys are massive. Flacco. And Kyler's not. But his biggest issue is he's an underachiever. Like, he's an underachiever. I said at the time, it was insane that they gave him that much money, given the way the last couple years had gone. And they didn't have to. And they got pressured into it. They got shamed into it. And they capitulated. And now, let's face it, they have to regret it. They they, they just do. Because when you watch them, it doesn't look right. Something is off. And they even told you, he does not study. In a game and a sport that at that position... You have to dedicate so much of your life, even if you're not Brady level, what Mahomes and Allen, the time they spend preparing has to be just, at, I mean, an A+. Kyler Murray claimed, I remember when that came out, he's like, you know, people questioning whether I study. No, Kyler, of course, like when you're at the office in the meeting room with the quarterback coach, you watch film. What they questioned when you leave the facility, and I've heard this, you never, ever, turn on the film and look at football. And I think that's kind of playing out the way you play. And to me, ultimately why he's going to fail is not the actual talent, even though I think his ceiling is somewhat capped at that size. It's because he's an underachiever. Baker, what turns out, he's just not good enough. And where I got it wrong is he was awesome in college. Three-year guy, was so good, played with star players. Obviously, Lincoln Riley, he benefited. But if you watch Baker at Oklahoma, he was a star. Two things to me really stand out. He is a below average athlete. So he's not big. He can't see and he can't move. So he's very limited to do anything off script. 
And then two, like the big reason he got drafted number one was like this bravado. And this is the type of stuff I talk about when you go into scout guys. You hear a lot of positive things about Will Levis. Guy's guy. Everyone in the program loves him. You can't meet anyone on campus that don't like him. He's got some fire. He's got some shit to him. Like you love that. And, and you kind of, if that's what the scouting report is, you kind of bet on that. You try to get to know him. You really try to vibe with it. And you try, is this going to work with my guys? Is this real? Is it fake? And Baker like had this kind of shit to him. And clearly that doesn't translate to the NFL because his teammates don't really seem to like him. Already DJ Moore is kind of out on him. Cleveland, all those guys were out on him. And when you're not good, here's the other problem. Having bravado or being cocky or whatever, you know, at the highest level of any profession, you got to be able to back it up. If you don't back it up, people just kind of think you're a clown. So to me, if Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar and honestly, let's face it, those guys don't really act like that. But if they did, you'd be like, well, shit, Josh Allen's killing it. Mahomes, you know, MVP, Super Bowl champ. Lamar, one of the greatest athlete quarterbacks, ass kickers we've ever seen. But they don't. But Baker, you kind of have this bravado. It's like, bro, you're throwing like 50% completion percentage. <laughs> like, man, well, what are you talking about? You're throwing to the other team like every seven passes. And I think he's not producing and the bravado doesn't work. You, you really just have a dud as a player. And he is trending in the wrong way fast. So to me, Baker was just an over-eval. He got factored on the wrong stuff. And Kyler Murray, it turns out, the talent, we all saw it, he's an underachiever. And to me, that's where Jalen Hurts comes in. Because he is an overachiever. I saw Sirianni on with Pat McAfee. And Sirianni was asked about Jalen Hurts. And he said, first and foremost, he's a dog. And what he means by that is the ultra-competitor. A guy that when I'm in the trenches and it's third and 18 or if it's first and five and we're up by 30 or we're down by 20, I want to go to war with this guy. In football, you're not going to win every game, right? Even if you're a great team. But you want to be in... It's why I trust the Niner guys because I like being in the trenches you know, with Debo Samuel, with George Kittle, with Nick Bosa, with Fred Warner, with Jimmy Ward. Like I've seen those guys go to war. They're not going to win them all, but I'll take my chances. You know, Jalen Hurts, I questioned. I didn't think he could throw the ball. And that's something that usually doesn't improve. It has. Now, he's still not a great thrower of the ball. He doesn't throw it anywhere near as good as Kyler. Not even close. Yet his love for football and his dedication to the sport dwarfs Kyler. It's why overachievers, and let's face it, it's not like Jalen is not talented, elite runner of the football, elite football character, talented enough to immediately play at Bama, and then Lincoln wanted him, so he definitely has some skills, right? I'm judging him. When I say he's not a great thrower of the football, that's compared to the top guys. Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. He's never going to be that. But you can, Alex Smith never was either. You go to the playoffs with that guy every single year. And if your team was stacked the one year with the 49ers, it was, they went to the championship game and they were a muff punt away from being in the Super Bowl. So you can win big with Hurts if you do it around him. Why? What did Alex have? All football, all the time, really serious. And that's what Jalen Hurts is. <clears throat> if I, I'm never going to, but the one thing I've learned doing this, and I'll hopefully do this more in the business or what, whatever moving forward that won't be football, but football scouting, if I ever were to do that again, like I said, never going to, the, the character stuff is what determines so many guys. It, it, it really is. It's been the downfall of Baker. The focus in Kyler has been the downfall of him. And the success of Jalen Hurts has been the football character. It's why if you get the chance to watch, if you haven't seen USC this year, you're going to see them moving forward because they're a top 10 team. The quarterback they have now, 
uh, to me feels like a mixture of Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray. Because unlike Jalen, he can really spin it. I mean, he's got, I wouldn't say he's quite got Kyler's arm, but he's got a damn good arm. And he's a damn good athlete. And you just watch, like, body language matters. I just played golf the other day with uh, with a new buddy, a new, a new buddy in Scottsdale. He's from the Bay Area. His dad was a longtime coach, and he's into coaching now. And he was telling me this story about coaching that he had some young guys. He, he coaches a young, like, AAU team. And he was telling me this story that a college coach had told him. The college coach went to the AAU practice. And at the AAU practice, they basically... Or maybe it was an AAU game. And the college coach went right up to the huddle at the AAU game. Well, this guy had a chance to go power five. And the college coach was just staring at the top prospect. And the coach was just going apeshit. Was just screaming at them all. And the, the college coach just stared at the kid. And the kid never lost eye contact with the coach. Was dead focused. And didn't like pout. Didn't look the other way. And that college coach, like five minutes later, gets on the phone with his head coach and they offer the guy right there. Because why? Body language matters. I've said it forever about Kyler. Terrible body language. Baker, honestly, pretty shitty body language. Jalen Hurts, one, another thing Nick Sirianni said, and it's a meme that went viral, Jalen Hurts' face never changes. The Washington football team stadium fell on him. His face didn't change. Him throwing a touchdown doesn't change. Him throwing an interception doesn't change. Like, that's what you like. And I just think this Caleb Williams guy, he's not draft eligible. If he was, I think he'd be the number one pick in the draft. I think he'd go ahead of Will Levis and, and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who knows he's injured. But C- Caleb Williams, to me, feels like the total package. On the Steelers, they are a historic underdog. 14 points on the road to Buffalo. Biggest spread in the history of the franchise. And I was thinking about this. They got spoiled. <laughs> You know, and listen, we all get spoiled in life. Anyone in any profession that has had a job with a good boss and a bad boss, you realize the difference, right? You understand how crappy the bad boss is once you have a good boss and vice versa. But you never truly know you're spoiled, good or bad, until you experience the opposite, right? It's why as you live life, as you experience life, you're able to get much better perspective on everything. Right. It's just it's a reality. I say, you know, anyone that's going through hard times, no matter how old you were, I was fired twice by 31. And those are the best thing that's ever happened to me. It really was because it taught me hell. Life ain't fucking fair. Like, I don't care how ambitious, how much you try, how bad you want it. You could just it could end. You just get thrown to the curb. Welcome to America. And it was a great learning process for me. And honestly, I think I've been able to be a lot more successful and a lot more focused and have a lot better just understanding of the way the world works because of that. It changed my life forever. At the time, I was like down in the dumps. I mean, I was like, my life's over. I'm a failure. And it happens to a lot of people. Whenever you go through the worst times in life, you go, God, I'm never going to make it out. And then you look back and you're like, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's why so many successful people tell you that you should you you should yearn for failure. Like failure is a good thing. It's the only way you learn. We don't learn through successes. And when they drafted Big Ben Roethlisberger, in the majority of my life, the Steelers have been good. When I was a kid, uh, Bill Cowher, all those defenses, I'm not talking like Super Bowl good. They were always in the mix. They were always winning. Then they transitioned with Cowher to Tomlin, Big Ben. They keep kicking ass. Now, obviously, they were much more consistent at quarterback with Ben, but most people that are like 40 and younger have only experienced sweet times with Big Ben in their adult life. And it was awesome. 
He was, I mean, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Well, he's long gone now. Because even last year, when he was a shell of himself, when you watch Ben, you went, God, this sucks to watch him like this. They still went 9-8-1. and one. And now, with Kenny Pickett on the road, I'm not the biggest Kenny Pickett guy. And like Jalen Hurts, I could be wrong. Because his football character, how bad he wants it. Now, the difference is, Jalen can run. Kenny's not a bad athlete, but he ain't Jalen. I just don't necessarily see it. And I know PFF put out a stat that Kenny Pickett's three picks were not his fault. Obviously, the last pick, Hail Mary, whatever. To me, the one pick, the Pickens, like he kind of threw into double coverage. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt on that one, but that's a whole other story. I just think Steeler fans, like, welcome to a lot of teams in the NFL. You get you still have a good culture. You still got a lot of good players. But when you don't have a quarterback, when you have a question mark at quarterback, like, this is the league. You know, it's just... Think about Patriot fans. If you're listening to this and you, you love the New England Patriots fans, or you love the New England Patriots, you got to experience Belichick and Brady. You got to go to nine Super Bowls. You won six of them. You went to count, I think, like 12 or 13 AFC championship games. All you did was win. Even when Tom Brady tore his ACL, you won 11 games with Matt Castle, who never fucking started a game in college. You took USC's backup, made him your starter, and you won 11 games. I don't care how easy your schedule was that year. That's incredible. Then Brady leaves, you get Cam Newton, and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what are we watching? And then a year later, Matt comes, you win 11 again. Like, you guys have been pretty spoiled. And now you got Bailey Zappi potentially starting a game. Like, welcome to the league. And I, I think this is just a good, you know, I think Mike Tomlin's awesome. I think the Steelers organization represents everything that's, a high-level pro sports team should. But like at the end of the day, like you can be a high-level sports team. You can run a high-level NBA operation. If you don't have a star player, you ain't going to win. You, you can run a high, high-level NFL operation. You don't have a quarterback, you're in major trouble. And if Kenny Pickett ain't really good, like immediately, this team ain't not only making the playoffs, like the, the 500 thing for Mike Tomlin is going to end. And last but not least, this game is massive. And it's the game I'm most intrigued with this weekend is Rams-Cowboys. Because I think two things are going to happen. One, everyone's selling the Rams. Rightfully so. We just saw them play the Niners, and they got worked. Stafford's off, leads the league in interceptions, did last year, but he's not as explosive passing the ball. Their run game stinks, offensive line stinks. But if McVay wins this game, you'll just go, oh, Kyle Shanahan owns them. Rams will be fine. Stafford will figure it out. He did last year. Him and Allen Robinson got to get on the same page. They're going to sign Odell Beckham. It all will be fine. We'll be like, listen, give McVay the benefit of the doubt. You lose this game, all of a sudden it's like, well, they got some major issues. And then on the flip side, the Cowboys. I would, I mean, I think we all fall under this category. We owe Mike McCarthy an apology. Because I think we all thought Mike McCarthy was going to be fired potentially by Halloween. And then Dak gets hurt. We're like, God, he is screwed. I mean, what, what's he going to start? Like three and eight? Jerry's going to fire him. Go after Sean Payton. If he wins this game, and he's he's a five and a half point underdog with his backup quarterback, and all of a sudden Mike McCarthy is four and one with Cooper Rush. And I, I mean, I think it'll be one of the better stories in the NFL. Like he, he, and people won't want to do it because a lot of people don't like, you know, Eden Crow. And I've said, I, I have no problem doing it. If, if the Cowboys are winning, I'll tip my hat. Mike McCarthy's doing a good job. Like it'd be impressive. Even if he loses this game, I'll, I, unless he gets like destroyed, uh, I'll be honest, I'll be impressed. But I, I am, I am looking forward to Rams Cowboys, the outcome of that game and the headlines that are being written by either one of those coaches. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, 
That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well... I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back again with my main man, Stucky, who is on fire this year. Seven and two. Um, and, and honestly, what was the game that he pushed last week? It was the Ravens against the Bills, which, you know, I saw you tweeting. I know you're a Ravens fan. You you were not happy. An awful official. I mean, he's one of the worst <laughs> officials in the league. Um but, yeah, I agree with the call for the Ravens to go for it late. Hopefully some people got plus three and a half. Um, but that was that was a tough one, mainly because I haven't had a Ravens future in forever. And they were 30-1, to one, which I just thought was a joke. They were one of the best teams in the NFL because of last year. That game was so big for a potential, uh, you know, one seed in the AFC, tiebreaker. So, yeah, it could, have, seed, could end up having yeah. massive uh, playoff implications, but it was, uh, was a hell of a game. Uh, well, I, you know, we might as well just start. I, I've had people tweeting at me that, you know, you are very predictable when it comes to a team in Nashville that you fade the Titans. And then as you threw me the games for this week, of course, <laughs> the Commanders uh, plus two and a half. It just feels like a hellhole. No one even goes. No one gives a shit. They do look pretty terrible ever since that first win in the Jags. Uh, and, and you are hammering Wentz, Dan Snyder, Ron Rivera, plus two and a half against Mike Vrabel, who's let's he, he he's got the sh- the train back on the tracks now, Stucky. Yeah, I look, I I love Vrabel. Um, this number is outrageous. Washington was just plus three at Dallas. Uh, just plus three at Dallas last week, and yes, they lost that game, twenty five to ten. Game was fifteen to ten in the fourth quarter. Washington had two interceptions. That were overturned for illegal contact. Probably should have won that game. I went and rewatched it again yesterday. But at Tennessee, look, last week they beat me. You know, the first two weeks I, I got them, they got me the last two weeks. This is the rubber match. And I, if you take a look at what Tennessee's done, they've come out with a great scripted portion the past two weeks. They built a lead in the first quarter, and then that's it. They're done. They haven't scored in the second half since week one against the Giants. Their offense. Yeah, they just they score and then they hold on. But I mean, now you lose Traylon Burks. Teams have like what they're trying to do in the scripted portion. They hold by on. the way, Washington's run defense number one in the NFL in r- success rate. They haven't let anyone run on them, so you're gonna, they're going to take away Henry here. Unfortunately for the Colts, Leonard gets hurt the first drive. Buckner's limited with an injury; only plays like 15 snaps, which just kills their run defense. Henry was able to kind of get. What I didn't think he was going to, but the Washington's run run defense has been awesome, and Washington stinks overall. I'm not going to tell you Carson Wentz is any good, but this Tennessee team. I mean, if you remove the first quarter, they are dead last on offense and EPA per play. On defense, regardless, they are thirtieth in EPA per play. Only the Seahawks and Lions have been worse defensively. Like this team has nothing, and I, look. What they do have, what they don't have, especially, is edge rushers without Landry, and they just and, and that's big because Wentz under pressure is a disaster. Washington offensive line is dealing with a lot of injuries, so yeah, I just think that it's ten. I mean, if you look at that game last week, Tennessee gets three turnovers. Buckner and and Leonard are hurt. They get outgained by you know 180 yards by the corpse of Matt Ryan, and. He, I, they they just barely hang on because they got a lead early. I I'm not buying it. Uh, this team I had as bad because of the offseason attrition. I still think they're bad. Um, so yeah, this will probably be the only time on the show all year that I back 
Washington. Um, and yeah, here we are. Go Commanders. Okay, let's uh, let's dive into your squad. Uh, this, you know, it's weird. I mean, last year you guys had a million injuries, and I, I vividly remember Cincinnati. They, it felt like they threw for a thousand yards in that game at, at Baltimore. Uh, this is obviously a different team, even though the Ravens. I'm with you. That value on them winning the Super Bowl, thirty to one, it was pretty tasty. But their defense, I, I thought, was going to be really good. I, I think we have to say it's it might not be as good as anticipated. Uh, but Cincinnati, you know, clearly, I mean, were they even that good last year? They just got hot at the right time. I mean, they are a good team. They have good, good offensive players. Uh, I mean, a great quarterback. But uh, Ravens minus three, you know, big chip on their shoulder. Is, is you just like them in a the bounce back situation in this spot? Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of value in this number two. I mean, I, I think their secondary is going to be fine. Last year when they were playing the Bengals, I mean, they were playing in the, the second game where the Bengals put up 50. They had zero starters available in the secondary. Josh Johnson was also starting a quarterback. But they were playing with fourth-string corners. The first game they played, they had a bunch of guys. The only guy that's still there, that's still here, is Marlon Humphrey. And they had Wink Martindale, who I love for the Giants and what he's doing there. His act was was no longer – it was just tired in Baltimore because in the AFC, you can't incessantly blitz these elite quarterbacks. And Joe Burrow was number two in the NFL against the blitz last year. That scheme just doesn't work. So you have a different scheme here. You all, you know, Peters and Humphrey are back. Marcus Williams, one of the best safeties in the NFL. And the rookie, Kyle Hamilton, is actually playing really well outside yeah. of the first game against Miami. So I think their secondary is going to be fine. The, yeah, and I just don't think – look, if you look at Baltimore, they had a 90 – percent win probability in every game this year they lost to Miami in the least the only game that had a 99.2 or higher percent post-game win expectancy in the past three years should have won that game they blow a big lead they fumble at the one on a quarterback sneak whatever should have won that game Buffalo you know you punch that in you don't blow the lead you're 4-0 they're 4-0 easily 4-0 here they this line would be four and a half five and the Bengals just aren't right right now we saw this last year now look they're still trying to figure out the offensive line it's impacting Burrow the play calling is awful they come out and they just try to run into a wall they get they're getting no push you saw in the Miami game Zach I mean, Taylor fact, stinks Zach Taylor stinks yeah he's, he's awful the fact that you had the that was the spot of the year you're playing and you got to play a backup eventually backup quarterback in Bridgewater, but you, you were playing a Miami team coming off 90 defensive snaps on Sunday against the Bills. They go on the road on a short week. They're, they end up missing both starting corners, and you can't move the ball. You're not throwing it. So, yeah, the, the play calling is just suboptimal. Ravens want the – I think you're getting value in this number because, you know, look, hey, they're both 2-2. Two and two. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year. But, yeah, they just got hot at the right time, benefited from a lot of injuries in the division. They – dominated, embarrassed the Ravens last year. And they were chirping about it on social media, uh, chirping about it in interviews. Ravens have had – Ravens would talk – I'm a Ravens fan. I listen to a lot of their stuff. Ravens have been talking about this game since oh, – when I was listening to them in May, June. So you bet they're going to have some nice packages that they're going to unveil here for Lamar. They're going to be ready for this game. The crowd's going to be ready for this game. And, uh, yeah, I think the Ravens are just in a much better spot right now as a team. They just blew a couple leads against explosive offenses. Should get Ronnie Stanley back here, too. Um, yeah, Ravens at minus three is, is cheap, in my opinion. Another game that's pretty interesting is uh, New England. They're one and three, but I listen, you know, our, your guy Billy Zappi came in and, you know, looks solid. Their three losses are against, 
you know, obviously three playoff teams, Miami and uh, Baltimore. And then last week, I mean, on the road at Lambeau where they were winning. I mean, they, yep. they were kind of in control of that game. They really have a good run attack. And, you know, Bill, they don't have stars on defense, but they clearly are a well-coached, solid defensive team. Detroit has got to be one of the more bizarre teams in the league, right? Their offense, it's weird. Like, do you view them as having explosive offense? They're always down like 15, 20 points, and then they come back. Is that kind of hollow? I, you know, it's hard to kind of put into context. To me, that's different than when you're tied 20 to 20 and putting up yards than when you're down 20 and kind of letting it loose. But they have averaged 35 points a game giving up on defense, yet their point differential is minus one. <laughs> that is that is insane. So I, I'm I'm sticking by like Detroit was going to be feisty, but their defense is atrocious. I mean it's it's like Oklahoma level shitty. So I I, I have a hard time. I, I I think I would lean the Patriots. You know, Bill is so cloak and dagger about his quarterback. I, I think it's safe to say we'll probably get zappy. So that would make me a little nervous. I mean, a third string quarterback who's now their starting quarterback, just playing in NFL games. But it is you know it's in New England. Uh, where are you leaning with this one? Yeah, I like I like New England here three, minus three or better. I also like the under. This this total is is ticked up to like forty six uh, when news of Mac Jones potentially playing. Regardless of who plays, if it's Bailey Zappi, who uh, you know Belichick's going to treat with kids' gloves for now, and or a hobbled Mac Jones who Belichick's going to treat with kids' gloves if he can't really move around. He also hasn't been, like, lighting up. They don't have the best receivers. No. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the same game plan. It's going to be the game plan you saw last week against Green Bay. Play methodical. I just They're going to run down Detroit's throat. The thir- team that's ranked 31st in run D success rate is the Packers. The only team worse is the Lions. You can run on this team all day. And, look, yes, I think the Lions' offense is – is pretty good because their offensive line is great. Do you agree with they, me that the yards can be a little hollow when you're down in all course, these games? Of course. They also, you know, they play in, uh, you know, a weaker division and they play indoors. Um, yeah. And but uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown as a player. Uh, Swift as a player. They're Hawkinson. both going to be out this week. Hawkinson's yeah, they're, a stud. They're, yeah, they're, they're other. They have a bunch of other receivers oh, too that yeah. could be out. Doesn't look like Armand Ross St. Brown's playing. Doesn't look like Swift is playing. They have a couple offensive linemen who are iffy. So, you know, I know they've been scoring a billion points and giving up a billion points, but I think this is a classic, like, Patriots are just going to run defense, special teams, build a lead, and then strangle the and just bleed the game away and strangle the life out of Goff and company. And for what it's worth, for his career, Goff does not have the strongest arm. He he turns into a pumpkin outdoors in, in, in any type of condition. So um, this isn't this isn't where the Lions have been the first four weeks. Uh, indoors against yeah. bad defenses, um, and their their offense just isn't, isn't healthy. So I think you're getting some value on this total because of what Detroit has done. But I think they'll be shut down here, and then it's just like a really conservative game plan of the Patriots just moving the clock and moving the ball on the ground throughout. Yeah, it would probably feel very 2021 like this. This next game is probably the best game of the weekend, at least for me. Um, I, I think the Rams and the Niners have some parallels is they can look really shitty on a given week and then everyone gets off the scent and then McVay and Kyle bounce back. And this is the classic week. I mean, we all watch the Rams, especially when you play on a, a primetime game. So, you know, everyone watches you and they, they look really bad. You know, Stafford's throwing pick sixes. They, they only score nine points. They get shoved around. The Niners always shove them around. Like, that just that happens. I mean, they, they go 12 and five and that's, they lose those two games. So who cares? 
And, you know, Dallas, their defense has been awesome. To me, it just feels like the Rams are the play just because everyone's going to be against them. The only thing that makes me nervous is, as you saw with the Niners, the reason the Niners kicked the Rams' ass is because the Rams' offensive line for years now has been pretty average. And right now it's below because Whitworth's nowhere to be found. So if you have up-front horses, you can kind of fuck them up. And I know this about the Cowboys. (laughs) They can get after your ass up front, especially with... You know, I know they're calling him the modern day LT, probably a little a little bullish, but he is damn good. And, and Bosa was all over Matt Stafford. And I, I don't see how they block Micah Parsons, Stucky. So I my my gut, just because short everyone that's gonna take the Cowboys is the Rams, but the matchup there makes me nervous. Yeah, I I, I love the Rams here. And look, yeah, I I think you nailed it when you said Hey, look, the Rams got embarrassed by Kyle Shannon. That happens every time they play each other. So, like, it's the circle of life in the NFC West. Like, the the Rams own the Cardinals, who own the 49ers, who own the Rams. Yeah. Like, the, it's just these things that happen in the NFC West because of matchups. And, I mean, Kyle Shannon completely owns Sean McVay. By the way, McVay, 5-0 and against the spread on a short week in his past five. And he is 15-8 and against the spread after a loss a straight-up loss in the regular season. His teams, as you mentioned, do bounce back well. I just think this line is crazy. Your your points are warranted about their offensive line. The hope is you get Brian Allen back. and um, But, yeah, their offensive line is not going to be good all year. The offense has taken a big step back. Cam Akers is in himself. Allen Robinson is uh, a down game from what they had last year. Yeah, <laughs> It's just cup. It's just like throwing to Cooper Cup a million times, which can work. And I think that might be enough here. And this is really a fade of the Cowboys for me. Um, it's the, the the love for Cooper Rush has to stop. He's managed the game well, but this is a team that they've scored. They're barely scoring twenty points, and they beat the Commanders, the the Bengals when they were just in disarray early in the season, and then they had to come back to beat the Giants. Like okay, and if you really dig down deep, and I went back, I just told you I watched that Washington game. Washington had two picks. St. Juice had two picks of Cooper Rush, who has no interceptions on the year. That were called that were overturned for illegal contact. Washington had 140 penalty yards in that game. Go back to the Bengals game. Bengals dropped three interceptions. One was there was a penalty. Yeah. Two, they just dropped. He should have five picks. And he is getting very lucky. He managed the game well against the Giants. And everyone saw that, but he should have about five picks. They've been great in the scripted portion, similar to Tennessee. But with, you know, they were they have a good they come out with a good game plan, but the rest of the game, their offense has been absolutely dreadful. Cooper Rush reminds me of Kyle Allen, 2019. Cam Newton gets hurt after the second game for the Panthers. Kyle Allen comes in game three, 4-0 straight up, 4-0 against the spread, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Everyone is on the Kyle Allen bandwagon, but really everyone was just dropping interceptions against him and he was throwing all these awful balls. The rest of the year, he goes 1-9 straight up, 1-9 against the spread, 10 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. The people that are saying that he should be the quarterback over Dak Prescott, a dude who's thrown for over 5,000 yards or 40 touchdowns in a season, are insane. Uh, So, yeah, I think that this line is crazy because of what Cooper Rush has done, what we saw from the Rams. But this is a defending Super Bowl champs at home against Cooper Rush only laying four and a half. That's like what the line could be if Dak Prescott was playing. Crazy. Uh, Yeah, I, I like the Rams. I, I'll get you out of here on this. I, you didn't know this one was coming, but I'm kind of fascinated by this game because the, on the flip side of the Niners, right, they had this big win, short week. Now they got to go on the road. Their defense is awesome. Baker awesome. Mayfield looks terrible, but the Panthers' defense is actually pretty good, and the Niners, you know, 
I mean, they struggled to score 25 points. So they're they're laying six and a half on the road. Now, while they're going to the East Coast, it's not your typical like 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time kickoff. It's it's the later window. So that, to me, helps them out a little bit. But do you think that line's a little big? I'm, I, and I'm short in Baker Mayfield, but that's six and a half points, you know, with the, again, the Panthers defense is just pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I think it's too high. I'm, I, if I can get seven, I'm going to take the Panthers because, I mean, May, Mayfield has been... Horrendous, horrendous, and, <laughs> bad. Uh, like, beyond bad. The, the key for the Niners is you get to you get to oh you get to seventeen against Matt Rule and you win. Matt, Matt Rule's one in twenty six when teams get to seventeen points against the Panthers, and I mean that also speaks to his quarterback play that he's had. When he they hold teams to under seventeen, he's ten and zero straight up and ten and zero against the spread. So um, that should be the goal for your Forty Niners fan. But yeah, Forty Niners defense is excellent. By the way, the Rams have looked. Really bad at times. Their offensive line is bad, but a lot of what it did look bad is they played the Bills and the uh, 49ers, two of the best defenses in the NFL, if not the two best. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it is too high. And if you look historically, just against the spread trends, if you're going on a short week uh, after a you know across the country, it's like a forty you know forty percent against the spread. Yeah, you know, after it's after an emotional divisional game too. Yeah, got revenge. And, you know, it's, it's a, a to- the total is 38. You're catching, you catch seven in the NFL at home with a total of 38. I mean, this, you could, was it the Niners a couple years ago that went to, I think I had Washington plus 10 in the rain. Yeah, it was nine nothing. And they covered without scoring. It was so nine they, nothing. <laughs> yeah, they that could happen here. Um, they, you know, the Niners going six nothing. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Baker Mayfield. I, I, I listen. I wasn't the biggest like Colin Coward hater of him, but I, I thought he would be better. Not even just with the Panthers. His career is trending toward like he's going to be calling college football games in a couple years. The way this is going, so uh, yeah. Stucky, uh, enjoy your weekend. Let's see if our boy Will Levis can get back on the win column. Uh, Kentucky tough loss at Ole Miss, but uh, that was a fun game. That was uh, that, that was enjoyable, was it not? Yeah, we'll see if he plays. Uh, oh, the fingers. Yeah, yeah, rumor is maybe a boot. Um, oh, and yeah, the the line has come down from ten and a half to six. six Who are they and playing? A half, which uh, South Carolina at home. So the line's dropped six points, which <laughs> means someone probably knows something. Um, so we'll see if he ends up suiting up. Um, I'm still trying to get confirmation of whether or not he's going, but the line blowing through ten and seven is uh, is the boot meaning, something that happened in the game or happened in practice? Like someone saw him with a boot, um, and he had like the coaches mentioned he had another injury that's going to oh. make him questionable. And then there was a rumor out there that he had a boot. I haven't seen a picture or anything, or but the line has crashed, so I don't know if someone knows something for sure. But uh, that's certainly something to, something to watch. But yeah, that that was a fun game last week. Unfortunately, Kentucky had a couple fumbles at the end. I know that cost them. Well, that the backup right tackle didn't touch a soul on the one play. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that's, that looked like the Rams that. Well, Stucky, have a good weekend. Talk to you soon. Take it easy, bro. Absolutely. Good luck. The Volume.
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.